Matthew chapter number 5, and uh, we will take just a little bit of time tonight and uh, go into uh, the next part of the uh, seventh verse. I say the next part uh, just because we dealt with it in part a couple of Wednesday nights ago. Matthew chapter number 5, uh, I won't even ask you to stand, it'll be such short reading, uh, we'll read it together. And then, Lord willing, I'll preach what he's put in my heart. Uh, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's read it again tonight. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I don't know what it is, but every time I... and The whole Bible is Holy Ghost inspired, inerrant word of God. I'm grateful that it is tonight. But there's something on that seventh verse. Blessed are the mercy, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Thank God tonight for the mercy of God. Lamentations said uh, 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 his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And thank God for the mercy of of God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you tonight. Lord, bless the remainder of this service. Touch the preaching. Touch the preacher. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Blessed are the merciful. Last uh, two Sunday nights ago, uh, we the Lord had me, had us together uh, in this text, or two Wednesday nights ago maybe, And uh, I I preached on a scriptural definition of mercy. Uh, I want to remind you of what that is, a scriptural definition of mercy. If you missed it, go on the website and get it. Don't don't, don't miss it and just miss it. Uh, Go on there and get it. Uh, Go on the podcast, wherever it is online, one of those two places, and get it. Uh, I gave you about nine verses. There's a whole lot more than that. I give you about nine verses uh, from the Word of God that uh, define uh, the word mercy. Uh, you can get some definitions from the English dictionary. Thank God for that. You can get some definitions from a Greek dictionary. Thank God for that. Uh, but get your definition from the Word of God. You say, what do you mean by that? Uh, the Bible will define what it means uh, in a text or what a word is by how it's used in other places in the Bible. Uh, and the best definition, the best, uh, best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God. Uh, there's a lot of good men wrote a lot of good books, uh, but the Holy Ghost will preach the Bible to you better than any man ever can. You can mark that down. I read behind me and I appreciate men. Uh, I have enjoyed men's writings. Uh, But the Bible is a commentary on the Bible. The Holy Ghost is the author, and who better to preach to you the truth of a book than its author? Uh, And I promise you tonight uh, that the Bible will define itself better uh, than any dictionary can. And so there is a Bible scriptural definition of mercy. Uh, and we looked at it in those uh, eight, nine verses I gave you last week. Uh, and it is compassion in action. 
uh, I looked that up, uh, the word mercy, and got the definition, compared that with the scripture, and found that to be so, that every time, uh, uh, I shouldn't say every time, that most of the time, maybe every time, I didn't look in every place, but many times in the New Testament, when you find the word mercy, you find somebody doing something on somebody else's behalf that they didn't have to do. It cost them a lot for them to do it, and they did that out of mercy. It is taking compassion and putting it into action. It is taking compassion and meeting someone's need. Uh, a lot of times we look at mercy, and I don't want to get ahead of myself tonight, but we look at mercy as a turning the other way. Uh, I'm going to be merciful to you, and so I'm not going to deal with the situation. Uh, before we leave here tonight, uh, I'm going to do my best to prove to you from the Word of God that, that turning the other way is not always merciful. Uh, not dealing with what needs to be dealt with is not always merciful. Sometimes the greatest mercy in your life is when God or other people uh, make you come face to face with a situation and it has to be dealt with. Uh, God showed you mercy, uh, but it was not uh, at no cost. God showed you mercy, but he did it by shedding the blood of his son on the cross of Calvary. I promise you, sin has a price and somebody's got to pay it. Thank God he showed mercy. He put compassion in action on the cross of Calvary. Uh, so we saw a scriptural, or scriptural, hard word for me to say, scriptural definition of mercy. Tonight I want to take our outline that we've been using on all of these Beatitudes and I want, to, I want to give that outline to you uh, this evening. Uh, let's carry on with that outline. Uh, a paradox or the paradox of the, of the beatitude, uh, the progression of the beatitude, and then lastly the promise of the beatitude. That's the outline. We've been looking at every one of them. Uh, let's start tonight with the progression of this, or I'm sorry, with the paradox of this beatitude. And again, just to remind you, of the word paradox, uh, it is something that seems absurd, it is something that seems opposite of popular opinion, but in fact it is true, it is a paradox, it would not have been what you would have assumed to be the truth, it does not sound uh, to be what you would think would line up, uh, but then when you study it and review it, you realize in fact it is true, that is a paradox. Uh, this uh, next beatitude, blessed are the merciful, is a paradox. Uh, and, and I had a hard time when I, when I uh, studied that, viewing this as a paradox. Because uh, more than any of the other previous ones we've looked at, this one don't seem like a paradox. Uh, if you tell me tonight, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, is a paradox... I will agree with you immediately, uh, poor in spirit, uh, God I'm nothing, uh, to this world that is a paradox, uh, to many in the church world that is a paradox, you'd be, you'd be surprised how hard it is to get Christians to admit fault, let alone lost sinners to admit fault, that is a paradox, uh, God I am nothing, poor in spirit, I can see that, uh, blessed uh, are 
they that mourn. That is definitely a paradox. It don't make a lick of sense to my carnal, natural mind. You mean if I uh, am mourning that I'm blessed? That don't make sense. But of course we've studied it and we've seen the paradox. Uh, blessed are, uh, what was the next one? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. All of those are paradoxes, uh, and I can see that. Uh, Brother Chris, blessed are uh, the merciful. Uh, don't seem like a paradox because even in the lost, sinful world, uh, people uh, are apt to show other people some kind of mercy. Uh, I, I, I think tonight in religion, you can see it. Uh, in, in social uh, events and places, you can see it. In the legal system, it's a word that is used, uh, Your Honor, have mercy on me. Uh, it is not really uh, viewed as we would view it, a paradox, unless the definition of mercy is different than what most people have. Uh, I, I'm afraid tonight that most of our opinion of mercy is, is, is somewhat of a, a tainted opinion. It is somewhat of an altered opinion that does not completely line up with the Word of God. But viewing the Word of God or viewing mercy in its scriptural context, then I begin to realize this in fact is too a paradox. Uh, the, uh, and I showed you some of it last week, uh, but let's remember uh, the Romans uh, of Jesus' day as he's preaching viewed mercy as a weakness. Uh, if you were to show mercy to a spouse uh, who had done wrong, to a servant who had done wrong, to a child that had some defect or something of that nature, that was viewed uh, as less than a man. That was viewed uh, uh, as less than strong. It was viewed as weakness. And so to that crowd, uh, when Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, it is a paradox because they uh, viewed mercy as weakness. Uh, then there was the crowd that viewed mercy uh, and in a merit, meritocracy. Uh, I'm messing up on that word too. Uh, meritocracy, uh, and they viewed it as a merit-based thing. That if I would show mercy uh, to you, uh, then maybe you'd be merciful to me. Or if I would show mercy to you, then maybe God wouldn't put me in hell and so I'm going to be kind to people in hopes to gain God's favor. Uh, but tonight I want you to know Jesus is not preaching works-based salvation. Jesus is not telling you if you'll be merciful you won't go to hell. As a matter of fact, hell's not even mentioned in the context. Uh, it is not a heaven or hell or a salvation. He's literally looking at a crowd and saying if you want to live in the blessedness of God then there needs to be mercy in your life. It's not a meritocracy. It's not a, a, a weakness. Uh, it is uh, often viewed by some as a, a way to boast uh, in one's self-accomplishments or something to be proud. And, and, and we'd say to maybe to our children who deserve to be in trouble, and we'd say to them when dad's not around, See, I'm nice to you. You better be glad I'm nice and I'm not like that. What you're wanting is approval for them uh, and you're calling that I'm being merciful to you. Or maybe dad, when, 
when mom's not around, would say to his son or his daughter, see, I'm being, I'm the good one. I'm being good to you. I've been merciful to you. I didn't give you the whipping that you deserve as if we are uh, giving ourselves a platform uh, for something to boast in. Or maybe we would say to someone who works with us or someone who goes to church, I owe you uh, to be angry. A lot of times we like having one up on people. We like it when someone's done us wrong because now we feel that they are indebted to us, especially when we don't retaliate and get back at them like they got at us then we feel like we have done the Christian duty or the Christian deed and that they owe us something and we are looking for merit in our mercy. I don't think that that's mercy either. I don't believe that that's what the Holy Ghost has in mind. I'll tell you something else tonight that don't describe mercy according to the Word of God. This gets most of us, if not all of us, at some point or another. Uh, mercy is not the act of looking over a matter or a matter. Uh, mercy to a poor man uh, is not to walk by and acknowledge his poverty. But mercy is to take compassion, put it into action uh, if it costs us, and to do something about this man's poverty. Uh, in the matters of sin, mercy is not to turn the head or to turn away and say we're going to act like this one didn't happen this time so we can be merciful to you. Uh, uh, but mercy pays the price. Mercy puts compassion into action. Mercy does something uh, about the situation. Now I'm going to take uh, a little bit of time tonight and try to lay this foundation and build this foundation in our hearts. Uh, I, I believe tonight that we have labeled uh, mercy. You hear it all the time. Uh, criminals going free. They get, a, uh, they get a slap on the wrist and they go free. And we said, boy, that judge was merciful to them. Uh, and, and we want that. We, we want, if it's us, be merciful to me. Uh, what we're saying is look the other way. Act like it didn't happen. But that's not... The Bible definition of mercy. Here's what the Bible definition of mercy is. It is again compassion in action. It is somebody meeting the need. It is somebody paying the price. It is somebody getting down in the mess that we've made uh, and involving themselves to the point of cost, to the point of them being burdened by the very thing that has burdened us and them helping us and providing and doing for us in the middle of the mess that we've made. Uh, let me give you some Bible illustrations, some more Bible illustrations that prove that this is a paradox. If you view mercy as a merit-based religion, uh, it's not a paradox. If you view mercy as something that you do to get up uh, one up on someone, then it's not a paradox. If you view mercy as turning the head and not acknowledging the sin, then it's not a paradox. But if you view mercy in the light of the scripture, it is no doubt a paradox. It seems absurd that anyone would do this. Uh, Adam and Eve. Give you a couple of illustrations tonight. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. God had made a declaration to Adam and Eve, and they both knew it. God said to Adam and Eve, uh, uh, not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. I don't know what 
the fruit was, but he said to both of them, he said, don't eat of it. And he said this, in the day that thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt surely die. I thought today as I was riding down the road meditating on the text, I often, and I preached this, I think last Sunday or the Sunday before, Genesis 3, God said, Adam, where art thou, Adam? I thought, uh, and often I've heard this commanding, demanding voice of God, this fearful voice of God, Adam, where art thou? The thought crossed my mind today uh, that God was just as broken about what Adam and Eve had done as no doubt, and maybe more so because he knew the extent of the matter. He knew what it really cost. Adam didn't know what all his sin at that moment cost him. And see God, the voice of the Lord, walking into the garden in the cool of the day. God knows what's going on. God knows what has happened the very moment that sin entered in to the heart of Adam. God knew. He comes along and he says, Adam, where art thou? I can hear the pain. What I want you to understand is this moment cost God. What I want you to understand is that God lost something in this moment of sin. And be sure tonight that your sin does not just cost you, but it does cost others around you. Your hard heart, your bitterness, your anger, your unforgiveness, your sin, your temptations that you give into daily, it is not just costing you, but it's costing those around you. And there are people that are paying the price for the sin that's in your life. Adam, where art thou? I see God calling for Adam. And uh, when God confronted Adam, and again, he wanted Adam to admit where he was, God confronted Adam with his sin. Uh, I tell you what, God did not do. He did not say, now Adam, you've messed up. But I tell you what, if I come down on you with the force and the weight of your sin, then uh, it's going to cost me. And so let's just act like it didn't happen this one time, Adam. We're going to turn our eyes. We're going to turn away. We're going to pretend it did not happen. Uh, You go about your business. Don't ever let me catch you doing this again, Adam. Uh, That's how we would define mercy. Is that not right? I mean, if God would have been merciful to Adam in the garden, uh, he'd have said, Adam, I know you're just a human. Uh, I know you're just flesh. And I know, Adam, that uh, you did the best that you could. You messed up. All people mess up, Adam. And I tell you what I'm going to do because I love you. Uh, Don't let this happen again. Uh, I'm going to turn my face and act as if that I know nothing of it. And you go about your business. And what I said about in the day thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. We're going to let it slide this time. Don't let it happen again. And all of us, we would say, God sure was merciful to Adam. Because that is our mindset about mercy. Judge, be merciful to my son this one time. It's his first offense. Your honor, be merciful to my daughter. You'd say to the school, be merciful to my child. A wife would say it to her husband, be merciful. Him. He's just a little one. Or the, wife, or the husband would say to the wife, be merciful. She don't know what she's doing. But I tell you, that is not what God did in the garden. Blood was shed. Something had to pay the price for Adam and Eve's sin. Adam, if, thou, if you eat of the fruit of this 
tree of this garden in the day thou eatest thou shalt surely die and exactly what God said would happen happened that day Adam died spiritually how did he know he was naked because his eyes were opened to, to who he was and where he was and the spiritual man died that's why we're all uh, born dead in trespass and sin every little baby that ever comes into this world as a descendant of Adam uh, is born with that death mark on him he's born dead uh, in trespass passing sin takes a new birth uh, to make him a new creature in Christ and thank God for the new birth tonight. Adam died Eve died they knew they were naked they knew they entered into their self-righteous religion covering up covering up because death had taken place because God is no liar. God held them accountable. Uh, God sent them out of the garden and God put the cherubim at the door to guard it with the sword and they could not enter back in. God caused them to work and it was not work that was the curse but it was sweat that was the a product of the curse and they had to live in a cursed world. Their descendants committed murder and died. They lived and, and it proves that the wages of sin is death and that you reap what you sow. But there couldn't nobody walk away tonight and say that God was not merciful to Adam. He was not merciful in the way you and I describe mercy. He was not merciful in the way you and I expect to be shown mercy. But I tell you what he did when he said, Adam, where art thou? Called him by name. It was the mercy of God that he called him out by name. It was the mercy of God that he went back into that garden. It was the mercy of God that he took whatever that little animal was, probably a lamb, and he shed blood where blood had never been shed before. For. It was the mercy of God that he made a way uh, that in his death Adam could live. In his wrong, Adam could get it right. Mercy. God paid a price that day in, in the garden. In the foreknowledge of God, Jesus was slain in the garden. Before Adam ever sinned, Jesus was slain on a rugged cross. Before Adam ever entered the garden, God had already in mercy moved in compassion to meet the need that sin demanded. But he allowed that sin's consequences. Well, I hope God will be merciful to me. He might be, he will be, but it won't look like what you think it's going to look like. I thought about Noah. There's a lot we could say about Adam and Eve, but I thought about Noah. And uh, the world turned upside down in sin. The Bible said Noah was the only one perfect in his generation. He was the only one living by faith. And God, just like you could have done with Adam, could have put Adam and Eve off into hell, could have closed the garden for good, and he did do that, but he could have, he could have ended man and said, never again, I, I, I made man, they chose sin, I'll never do this again. Uh, but but God, uh, God made a way in his mercy. Think about Noah, when you get to Noah, his descendants, the whole world is, is living in open, blatant, rebellious sin against God. And uh, God came to one little family and said, I want you to build a boat. Do you know what that boat was? 
It was called an ark, but a good name for it would have been mercy. It was God going to deal with sin, but in the middle of it, somebody was going to pay a price and was going to build a boat to get their family. It was God putting compassion in action. He could have just drowned the whole world, but he saw faith in Noah, and and it was saving faith. He told Noah, "Build build a boat. And what was it, 120 years? I don't remember that Noah built that boat, Noah built that ark, and for 120 years he was a preacher of righteousness to his generation. They were lost, they were going to hell, they did not want God, and yet God let a boat live in their existence for 120 years. He was going to deal with sin, but he was in wrath remembering mercy. Mercy is not turning the other way. Mercy is not looking over it. Mercy is not acting like it didn't happen. God knew exactly what happened, but mercy is right in the middle of it. A great big old price is paid. Uh, uh, Somebody has to pay a price that costs them, uh, and that cost is met, that demand is met, and God called it mercy. A good Samaritan came by one day, in Luke chapter number 10 and he saw that young Jewish boy beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And some would have said, well, I was merciful to him. I, 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 uh, I did not, or I felt bad and we'd call that mercy. Others would say, well, you know, uh, that was a bad thing that happened. There's nothing that I can do. But that good Samaritan, he got down there with him. He, he, he bound up his wounds. He poured in ointment. He put him on his own beast. He carried him down to the end. The ointment cost, the beast cost, the day cost his time. And he went down there and somebody had to pay the prize to the innkeeper. It wasn't a free room and board down at the hotel. Jesus looked at that lawyer after he gets done telling that story and he said, now which one of these was merciful? And the lawyer said, he said, the one who had mercy. He said, which one of these is the neighbor? He said, the one who had mercy. The one who paid for the end. The one who paid for the ointment. The one who paid for the ride down to the end. That's mercy. Oh, I want to tell you something tonight. If you ever got saved, it wasn't because God looked past your sin. If you ever got saved, it wasn't because God just said, well, that's not that bad of sin. If you ever got saved, it was not because God said, well, I know you're a sinner, but you're not a bad sinner. You're a pretty good sinner, and you're a better sinner than other sinners, and so I'm going to look over your sin. But if you got saved, somebody had to pay the price. If you got saved, a high price had to be met. If you got saved, somebody, it cost somebody, it cost somebody. If you ever entered into mercy, there was a cost on somebody's behalf. I think you know who paid the price. On a hill called Calvary, in mercy, Jesus went to the cross. In mercy, Jesus hung there and bled and died. In mercy, God sent his son. In mercy, Jesus died for me and he died for you. That is mercy. It's not a looking of the other way. And if you ever enter into mercy... God will hold you accountable for your sin. Brother Jeff, the night you got saved, I've heard you tell the testimony of it. You was, you was in, in the hayfield and, and in that barn and, and God was speaking to you and conv- 
convicting you and caused you to realize that you were a sinner. And you know what that is? That's God making you come face to face with your sin. And whether you're young or whether you're old, if you ever enter, enter into the mercy of God, it's because you have realized, God, I am a sinner, and you've come face to face with that. And if you think that God's going to look past it and smile at you because you're a better sinner, you've, you, you've never been born again. If you think that God's not upset with your sin, I want you to know something tonight. God's upset with your sin, and it cost him his son on the cross. And if you'll confess it and come face to face with it and admit I am a sinner, you can enter into the mercy that's been provided at a high cost. What we call mercy may be kindness. It may be passive. It may be uh, avoiding the situation. What we call mercy, it may be a lot of things. But it's not mercy. Because every time Jesus ever shows mercy on someone, they have to become a sinner. That's mercy. One of the greatest mercies that will ever happen in your life is that you have to deal with the sin. Adam, where art thou? God was being merciful. I need you to come over here and me and you need to talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about it. Oh, y'all help me. Are y'all with me tonight? Nobody wants to talk about it. Let's come over here and let's say, well, just be merciful to them. I hear that at school sometimes. People say, uh, well, I wish you'd just show a little mercy to our, our child. Let, let, me, let me talk to some of the parents right here for a minute. If you've got a child that goes to Crossroads Christian Academy, at some point in their school career, they're going to do what is called uh, it's a scoring violation, but good old-fashioned word is cheating. And they've done it, and even the best of the ones have done it. Scoring violation is a good proper word for it. That makes parents feel better. Oh, they just violated it. Scoring violation is cheating. It's old-fashioned word, cheating. And, 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 and we like to justify that and say, well, it's the first time and it's not that big of a deal and it's not that bad. And it's, we like putting soft words on hard stuff. Well, they're not this, they have this. Or they're not this, they're this. And you can name whatever you want to name stuff. The fact of the matter is, is it's cheating. And every time we confront a young person, the first reaction is, how how dare you? You think I'm cheating? Uh-huh. Well, no, I, you're mistaken. And, and the first response is that the teacher's dumb, and I would never. I'm from good stock. And if yours hadn't got there yet, they will. And, and, and then when we come face to face with that uh, and they realize that that, that is not going to work, well, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh. <laughs> and most of the time, they can get mom and dad to believe it. And I'm not mad at mom and dad because I want to believe the best in my children too. Well, you probably, you know, did mess up and don't let it happen again. But it don't take mom and dad too long to figure out on third or fourth time that this is a pattern in your life and you're lying to me. Right? And then the kids get mad. 
Oh, your kids get mad at us. I don't even know why it matters. And I and 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 you can't do that. And they'll throw paces on the on the desk and they'll huff and puff on their way back. I'm talking about even your little first and second grade sweethearts. Will get mad. And they don't quit all the way up into their high school career. If they ever get caught in any kind of trouble, they're mad. And I don't know who you're mad at, but it shouldn't be me. Huh? And, and here's, what, here's what I want to do, and here's what you want me to do, and here's what the teachers want to do, and here's what everybody wants to do. Let's just act like it didn't happen. It's easier not to deal with it. Let's act like it's not that big of a deal. And, and we say, that's mercy. Let's have mercy. Show mercy. Give mercy. We want mercy. Your honor, give me mercy. Judge, give me mercy. Daddy, give me mercy. Mama, give me mercy. But the greatest thing that can happen for that little second grader is to have to deal with that sin problem and come face to face with that problem and it be known and dealt with because you can't get out from under that guilt until you get it right and if you think in the first grade that there ain't a mountain of guilt that comes along with knowing I've been doing wrong all this time and fear that follows you and looking over your shoulder there is guilt and fear and mercy brings it to light and deals with it now that child can get free of what they couldn't talk about for six months. They couldn't talk to mom and daddy about it because they'd be in trouble. They couldn't talk to the teacher about it because they'd get demerits. They couldn't talk to the preacher about it because he'd think less of them. That's what they think in their mind. They can't talk to their friends about it because they'd be ashamed. And they live with that guilt and they live with that shame and they live with that problem. And one day the Holy Ghost lets it come open. It lets it come, he lets it come uncovered. And daddy knows about it. Mama knows about it. Preacher knows about it. Teacher knows about it. Child knows about it. And now now we're getting some business taken care of. Now somebody can get help. Has anybody ever been under a mountain of guilt and the Holy Ghost ever let it come out? And now you can deal with it. You talk about mercy. There ain't much greater mercy than when God uncovers your sin and lets it be dealt with. I remember years ago I was preaching in other side of Atlanta, south of Atlanta, in Hogan'sville. I was telling you about it earlier. I was running late. I was driving fast on purpose. And I was had just come out with that super speeder law. <laughs> and I'd had a, I wasn't no perfect driver. I'd had a record of speeding tickets, incidents in my past. And I was hammering down, pedal to the metal. I was going, weaving in and out of traffic, and I was, I was moving. I was going to get to that meeting on time. And I gave that car all it could handle. And buddy, we was moving. About 86, 87. Well, the speed limit dropped about 55, right south of Atlanta on 75. And dropped, dropped they was doing road work. I never let up. I'm going to church. I got angels and, and the Holy Ghost going with me. We're going to get there. Be careful where, where you think God's just going to let you, you know, get by. I looked up and 
blue lights. He pulled me over, sir. You're doing 86 and a 55. That is extremely dangerous. Do you have any reason? I said, I'm a preacher, and I'm going to preach. And I'm running late, and no fault of my own. It really wasn't. I'd had car trouble, and, and, and I was running late. And it uh, wasn't my fault I was running late, but I was. And I said, I'm running late, and I'm heading to preach. He said, well, you can't, you can't drive like that. I'm going to have to write you a ticket. I said, officer, please, just, I got, just, just let me go. He said, no. He wrote me a big old fat ticket. And I found out later how much that big old fat ticket was. I got that super speeder. It was over $500. That's a, that's a hefty speeding fine. I thought they gave me a court date, and they told me you can pay it or go to the court date. And I thought, well, I'm going to go to the court date, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask that judge for mercy. Mercy is what I want. What I meant by mercy is let me off the hook. Don't hold me accountable. I need mercy. Don't hold me accountable. Uh-uh. So I got up and drove down there and got me a hotel. The preacher I was preaching for, he paid for it. He said, I'm going to pay for you a hotel. Uh, this, I went back a month later, and he put me in a hotel that night, and I got up that next morning and went to my court date in Hoganville at 8 o'clock in the morning. I walked in there, and I'm a Williams. That means I'm at the back of the alphabet. And everybody in there from A to W, half of them got arrested Half of them, I mean, it was but fines, and I thought, she don't have no mercy. I ain't never been in nothing like that. I, I say this as honest to God. There's been times that I should have been, but God helped me, and I never was in trouble. If I was ever in a courthouse, it was helping somebody else or praying. I've never been in there. I thought, I have messed up. I sat there and she went down the list. I'm done preaching after this. I won't finish tonight. She went down the list. She got to me. Mr. Williams. Yes, ma'am. I come up there. She said, you're doing 86 and a 55. Your fine is 530-something dollars. Are you ready to pay it today or are you ready to go to jail? See, when you make your court date, there is no more... You have this much time to pay. You pay today or you don't leave today. I said, well, your honor, if I could, in that jail business, just done put the fear of God in me. I said, your honor, if I could say something. She said, no, we've got a lot going on. I don't really know what you can say. I said, well, can I please say something? She said, go ahead. You've got a minute. I said, I'm a preacher. I know this sounds bad. I said, but I was running late, had car trouble. I was going to preach in your town. I was preaching in this town. I was nearly there. I was preaching to young people that night, and I was trying to help them, and I was trying to get there on time. And if you'd just give me some mercy. She said, I thank you, Mr. Williams, for your good service to our community. Now the fine is $530-some-odd. Are you ready to pay the fine or go to jail? I said, do you take checks? There ain't no money in the account, but you don't know that till I get home. <laughs> and I went in there and wrote the hardest check I ever wrote in my life. And I walked away and said, she didn't have a lick of mercy. Had no mercy. But I was thinking about that today. That's the last ticket I got. That, that lady taught me a lesson. It may be why my family is still alive because driving like that will kill you or somebody else. And it wasn't right. 
and there wasn't no excuse for it. Somebody help me right there. And a great mercy is that I had to come face to face with sometimes you have to pay the price. Sometimes if you want to do the crime, you got to do the time. If you want to play around, you've got to be willing to pay whatever it costs. That woman showed mercy on me when she made me meet the demands of the sin that I'd committed. Are you hearing me tonight? And in your home, one of the greatest things you can do is make people come face to face that's mercy if not they're going to live with it and live in it forever I thank God for the day I become a sinner I thank God for the days in my life since I've been saved that God didn't let me get by. God didn't turn his face away, but he made me deal with the situation. He brought it into my life. It made me come face to face with it and deal with it. And I want to say to you tonight, I am known of the mercy of God, a high price that was met by somebody else. Compassion in action. Sometimes it's in the form of just that very thing. God's just, come on to the piano. God's holy. God's not going to lie just because you come along. Reaping and sowing is still in God's word. Mom and daddy, mercy looks like this. All right, son. It's what you want to do. It's going to cost all of us. But we're going to help you. We're going to deal with it. All right, daughter. You want to live like this? I'm going to give you mercy. And I'm going to get in this with you. I don't know if that's making sense tonight. You might have to say to your wife, not in these words I'm going to show mercy to you, but you might have to say to your wife at some point in your marriage, you've made a mess. But I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to get down here with you until we can figure out how to get out. Oh, that's mercy. You might have to say to your husband, ma'am, you have made a mess. It's a mess. But I said I do. And when I said I do, I meant it. And I'm going to get down here in this mess with you until we can figure out how to get out of it. We're going to do this together. Mercy. Compassion in action. It's more than I feel bad. It's more than it's not even looking the other way. Here's what it is. Jesus said, you're a sinner. And hell's what you're getting. And he meant it. And people do go. And he said, but I've had mercy. So here's what I did. I paid the debt. I paid it in full. I washed it. I took care of it. And if you'll enter into that mercy, you won't be hard-pressed to show mercy. 
it'll be easy to give mercy when you've received so much mercy. I'll finish this some other time. We're done preaching. Let's stand tonight. Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for your precious word. Help us now. Help us now. We need mercy. Help us to give mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the parents. Blessed are the children. Blessed are the spouses. Blessed are the church members. They put compassion into action and do something when it costs. When it costs us. We do it for some other person. It's called mercy. Thank you for the mercy that you showed me. In Christ's name. People's on the altar tonight. Would there be more? Maybe there'd be more tonight as she plays and sings. Thank God for mercy.